As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Welcome to Brothers in Arms, brought to you by Catholic Men for Jesus Christ, with your hosts, George Rose and Bill Maher. Stay tuned as George, Bill, and their guests discuss topics relevant to Catholic men living out their faith in today's challenging world. And now, here are the hosts of Brothers in Arms, George Rose and Bill Maher. Well, good afternoon, my brothers. This is Bill Maher. I'm here with my co-host, George Rose. We are Brothers in Arms. Billy, I, I, I need some sharpening. Iron, sharp, as iron as sharpens iron. As iron sharpens iron. iron. Please sharpen me. We got the pandemic blues uh, in the Rose household. Please uh, please get some sharpening. I, we, will, <laughs> we will all sharpen you. We will lift George up in prayer, folks, on this June 4th. Sort of a rainy, kind of mucky day. But, man, do we have a nice weekend uh, in store for us, apparently. Looks like it's going to be like, well, nice is all relative, right? Night, if you don't have a swimming pool and you're outside and it's 90 degrees, you're in trouble, I guess. Yeah, but it, it's, it's going to be that swimming. hot. Yeah, 90s and for the, the next... Red Sox are in town playing the Yankees, too. Oh, I hope I hope it's hot in that way, too. Let's hope. Dem Yankees, they better start. <laughs> They better start winning. Let's hope they get hot. Yeah, they're uh, <laughs> this is very a lukewarm. Bit rough. A very little, lukewarm. Yeah, it's uh, it's easy not to watch. I dare I say that, George? Yeah, they've been brutal, brutal to watch actually. So, but, well, we got a lot of exciting things coming up. I mean, as the world opens up, I mean, what, how liberating is it to walk into the store or a store and not wear a mask? That's mm. just, uh, you know, I was at the gym the other day, and you know, it was funny in the gym no one was wearing a mask and it was it was great a couple times i i sort of like felt like something was wrong mm. i was and you know and i was like oh oh it's the mask it's the mask <laughs> but then i go to north jersey yesterday or uh the other day and i'm in a supermarket and everyone was wearing masks except me i sort of felt like i was that guy <laughs> the radical look at, look at that the revolutionary Bill <laughs> but Mar. i had the virus i had it you know i, I mean we beat it you know so Anyway, it's exciting that we could start getting things back to normal a little bit and live our lives. Feels and, that way, yeah. Yeah, and yep. that's, you know, so you got to get them blues off your shoulders. You got to sit in the sun tomorrow, George, and suck up some of those rays. Get some, some vitamin, vitamin D, D going. You got it, absolutely. So we got we got a few exciting things going on. We're going to go over our saint for the, for the month. We have a great uh, guest in uh, Spencer Swoop. Guys, you're going to look forward to him. He's uh, certainly a guy's guy as a former boxer and so forth. Yep. We'll get into his story a little bit. We have an evening of reflection coming up. Guys, we haven't had one of those forever. And we finally A year and a half? It. Yeah, maybe. at yeah. least. So please yep. put that on your date. June 17th, Thursday. Come in. It's at St. William the Abbot. Father Tom's going to lead the reflection. There's going to be a couple of priests there to hear confessions as well. Come at 6 o'clock. We're going to feed you, you know, good yep. old Italian food and lots of it. Mm. And we're going to have a great reflection. You know, you have the ability to go to confession if you want. And we're going to finish the night with a mass. So it's sort of a consolidated three-hour retreat that every one of us needs at yeah. this point. Yeah, we'll have the great uh, Father Tom Marr who, who gives – he's a he's a guy's guy. He's a man, you know, with his, hum, uh, with his reflections. He's a great – gifted speaker it's always uh very edifying to hear yeah, all yeah, so the time speak we, we we i think i think confession might be part of that a little bit you know because yeah. i think uh you know for a lot of people it's been a while maybe that you know there's 
you've had a confession. Some places really weren't even holding them. Yeah, that's a good point. So and we're so, gonna have a few priests there, right? Available yeah, for confession. We're working on so. we're working on that, and I got some confirmation, so we're excited about that. But come out, my gosh! I mean, this is literally a chance for us to break bread again for for I mean, for a year. Yeah. So yeah. let's 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 kind of go in there with a festive party appetite, uh, attitude, with at mm. least for the meal part of it, mm-hmm. and then we'll get reflective and we'll have a great time in, in general. Yeah, we'll shoot out some emails so you get more uh, info on how to register. Absolutely. And all that stuff. If in fact you are not part of our uh, email list, feel free to look up uh, the information at uh, CatholicMemberJesusChrist.org. It should be on there. And uh, if not, just write this down. Uh, um, it's June seventeenth. Thursday, June 17th, starting at 6 p.m. with a meal. And it's at St. William the Abbot in Howell, New Jersey. So be there, guys. Let's have some fun. Let's have a great experience. Let's get spiritually edified. There you go. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> so we got a saint. Let's let's uh, kick off with uh, our saint of the month, George. Who do we got? Billy, our saint of the month, his first name is Luigi, Luigi. in Italian. Uh, Luigi Gonzaga, a.k.a. St. Aloysius Gonzaga. <laughs> big, big for the Diocese of yep. Trenton because uh, one of the biggest parishes in the diocese is St. Aloysius. St. Al's in Jackson. That's right. right. Yeah, we've, we have, uh, we've done, I think, we did, we've, we've had uh, our mini, uh, mini rallies there. We've, we've done a few Father events Father Banbrook yep. gave a, a reflection one time there. Yep, yep. So yep. we've a great, great relationship, very supportive parish of Catholic Men for Jesus Christ. So St. Aloysius, honestly, Billy, I really didn't know anything about him. Um, uh, figured he was probably Jesuit with Gonzaga, right? I mean, Gonzaga <laughs> University and that, that he must have something to do with that. But uh, he was born March 9th, 1568. So right in the middle of uh, Renaissance uh, Italy, uh, the Enlightenment, right? Uh, he died June 21st, 1591 at the age of 23. Young. Very young. Very young. Um, his feast day is June 21st. And uh, he was beatified just 14 years after his death in October of 1605 by Pope Paul V. He was canonized much later, about 120 years later, by Pope Benedict XIII uh, in December of 1726. So, but but to be beatified so quickly, he must have been a very special, uh, indeed, you know, special well, priest, tell special us, man. Tell us why. So he was. Uh, the oldest of seven children, he was born into one of the most powerful families in Renaissance Italy. His father was the Marquis of Castiglione, and his mother was a lady-in-waiting to the wife of Philip II of Spain. Wow. So, talk about, like, politically connected and powerful. In a big way. Yeah, big way. yeah. Um, and, and he was the firstborn son, so he was in line to inherit his father's title and the status of marquis. I mean, he was, he was all lined up for him, right? Yeah, yeah. the, the <clears throat> decision to become a priest in those scenarios usually is not received well by the father. And it wasn't. <laughs> you know, his father assumed that uh, Aloysius would become a soldier because there was lots of little wars and things going on sure. at that time. Sure. So, um, And that was the norm for the sons of the aristocracy. And, uh, at, you know, as early as the age of four, Luigi was he was given a set of miniature guns and accompanied his father on training expeditions so that he might learn the the art of arms. <laughs> you know, yeah, he, pike and shot era. You know, you're you're dealing with those uh, those those explosive uh, firearms. You know, yeah, and at very young. You know, at the age of five, he was sent to a military camp for training, and his father, you know, loved all this. And and you know, there was a lot of violence and brutality in Renaissance Italy. Um, 
So he was witnessing that firsthand and expected to be a part of it. So um, in 1576, at the age of eight, he was sent to Florence with his brother. Excuse me. I got a frog caught in my throat. Uh, He was sent to Florence (laughs) with his brother Rodolfo to serve at the court of Grand Duke Francesco I de' Medici. And Medici's receive further education. Huge family in Renaissance Italy. <clears throat> right. The, the Medici is huge family. Yeah, they're like, and I don't, who would you compare them to? Like, uh, you, the, <laughs> the, 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 not even the, the Trumps would be small compared to them. You know, the Bushes would be small compared to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they were multi generational, you know, very politically powerful family, the Medici's. Um, and, uh, you know, but, but, uh, Luigi was cut from a different cloth. He was sent to this court of the Grand Duke, but but he was disgusted by what he saw there. <laughs> he was really revolted. He was pious, by it. a pious young lad. He was a lad. pious young lad, uh, and he vowed at the age of ten never to offend God by sinning because oh, wow. he was so uh, disgusted by what he saw. So, it was around this time that you know he adopted these severe religious practices. He started fasting three times a week. Uh, he would rise at midnight to pray on the stone floor in his room. He refused to let a fire be lit in his bedchamber, even in the bitterest, coldest weather. And he was really famous, uh, famously concerned for keeping his chastity and safeguarding his modesty. Butler's Lives of the Saints notes that from as early as age nine, Luigi maintained custody of the eyes. Mm. So... He was a very pious young man and, and striving for holiness, even at a really young age. Um, and that doesn't happen very often. It's, right? uh, no, it certainly does not. But uh, tell us some, about some of the, the miracles and interesting stories. I, well, I, not really any, um, you know, conspicuous miracles. That I mean, just his life is kind of miraculous in and of itself. But well, growing up in that family at that time and, and to, to make a declaration at 10, that certainly is... Uh, yeah, pretty miraculous. Yeah, think, when, in that when sense. yeah, and when he was young, after this time with the Medici's, he was sent to live with some relatives, and and apparently he discovered a chapel there, a beautiful chapel at, at, on the relatives' uh, grounds or their property, and he he read, he did a lot of reading of Butler's Lives of the Saints, and that's what he did, and he meditated on the Psalms in the chapel. That's where he spent most of his time because mm. he didn't want to be out and what was going on in the rest of the place, you know. So that's where his little sanctuary, how he protected himself. Um, he returned to Castiglione in 1580. So he was, what, maybe 12 at this point, And he met Cardinal Charles Borromeo. Ah, ha, ha. Yep, who was very impressed by his seriousness and learning. And St. Charles uh, realized that uh, Luigi had not yet received his first communion, and he prepared him for it. So you have one saint uh, giving another saint his, his first Holy Communion, which is kind of cool, right? We, quite a few uh, number of our priests have gone through the seminary, St. Charles Borromeo. Very famous it, seminary in right, Philly, West, right? We're just outside of Philly, yeah, right yep. there in the main line. Yeah. Pretty cool. <clears throat> so in 1585, at the age of 17, he gave up his inheritance. And that had to be, you know, the I think the, uh, the ruler at the time, the king, uh, had to approve that. Uh, they did. His father wasn't happy at all. Um, 
but he was uh, then accepted into this uh, society of Jesus in Rome, the Jesuits. Mm-hmm. You know, his family wanted to become like a normal priest, you know, but he was like, no, I want to become a Jesuit. No, radical. He wanted to be radical. Yeah, because sometimes the priests at that time, like a normal priest, there was no vow right, very, of... Very tied to the politics. Of yeah, the, uh, no, no, probably not a vow of poverty, and he would get a bishopric and, you know, lots of wealth and... Um, notoriety and that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, there was right? a lot. There was a lot of cl- corruptions, but local corruptions. This is part of the reason the, uh, the Reformation occurred. Yeah, you know, and, uh, and then of course the Counter Reformation in the Church. So, you know, I, I, you could see why he would want to sort of seek refuge uh, away from the local, mm. the local parishes. His instincts like were good. He, yeah. he followed the Holy Spirit, uh, and he found the novitiate in the Jesuits to actually be somewhat easy after these ascetic practices that he had, <laughs> he had to turn it, you know, turn it down a Dial little it bit, down you know, his, his superiors said, well, this is what we want you to do. And he was obedient and he did. And, um, you know, he was considered an ideal novitiate. I mean, a model, uh, seminarian and the, um, event that happened then in 1591 that eventually took his life, uh, was a plague broke out in Rome, right? And the Jesuits had a hospital for the ill people, and, and Aloysius volunteered to work there, and he would beg alms for the victims. He began working with the sick. He carried the dying people from the streets into into this hospital founded by the Jesuits. And when he was there, he washed and fed the plague victims, prepared them as best he could to receive the sacraments. Um, and he threw himself into his task, but he privately confessed to his spiritual director, another name you'll recognize, Father Robert Bellarmine. Bellarmine, ah, another great parish in the Diocese of Trent. Not too far away from St. <laughs> Aloysius, St. Al's, right? Is it the same city? Uh, yeah, where is no, Freehold. Oh, Freehold, right, but yeah, yeah, neighboring towns almost. Um, but he told Father Robert Bellarmine that his he was revolted by the sights and smells of the work. Um, but and he had to work really hard to overcome his physical revulsion at mm. it, but he did it anyway because he knew that the people needed help and it's what God wanted him to do. So to make a long story short, uh, he eventually cared for a patient who had the plague. He got the plague and he died uh, in uh, on June 21st, 1591, um, you know, within the first year of the plague and uh, at the age of 23. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a couple couple pearls that I, I, I can glean out of his life. Uh, the, the, the concept of taking custody of your eyes. Mm. I mean, that shines pretty pretty bright in our world, right? I mean, the idea, I mean, all the distractions we have, you know, taking that personal responsibility. Yeah. Um, we can certainly uh, glean a lot from that. And then just the idea of service, you know, it, mm. you know, literally serving the poor, especially nowadays, uh, every, every era needs service. Don't get me wrong, but... You know, there's so much, there's so much anxiety and depression and suffering, yet we're such an affluent society. We have everything. Yeah. Uh, I, I often think about, you know, Fulton Sheen's response to, to when you got, when you're down and out, you know, go, go help someone, go do mm-hmm. service and, yeah. and you'll, you, you certainly find yourself within that service. And that's certainly, uh, you know, he ultimately found his ticket to heaven in a sense through service, right? Mm. You know, I c- contracting a plague himself and having a, you know, a young, uh, a short life, but certainly lived a saintly life as short as it was. Yeah. That's, it's interesting, Bill, because the one, one thing we, we really miss in our uh, American society these days is that spirit of self-sacrifice. Yeah. Right. We don't really have that. Um, 
personal responsibility with custody of his eyes, right? And then self-sacrifice. And self-sacrifice, yeah. yeah. Which, you know, custody of the eyes is also sacrificial. 100%. Hard to do, right? 100%. But, you know, um, it's it's not a concept that, that most people are even familiar with. <laughs> or or certainly embrace right it's tough yeah. it's tough yeah. but uh but anyway so what a, what a great saint um a relevant saint for this part of the world here in central jersey um actually you could even argue a few saints borromeo bellarmine and uh and uh Aloysius. All, all within a short all within drive a, of yeah, each other they, yep. they all are so what a wonderful uh wonderful way to kick off june so guys we're gonna we're gonna take a two-minute break and we'll be back but uh we ask uh, St. Aloysius to pray for us as, uh, as we make our treks home. See you in two. What have you done for your marriage today? Today, I used the towel that was already damp after my shower so that he would have to dry one. I called my wife on the phone and I told her, Sue, I love you, and I meant it. I went from the lobby of my hotel back to our hotel room five times to pick up the video camera. I took time out at lunch to make sure that we had an opportunity to, to spend time together. Then to go back and pick up the bachelor. What have I done for my marriage today? Today? What did we do? It's what did you do? What did I do? I shopped. Then to go back and pick up our handbag. What have I done for my marriage today? I flirted with my husband like when we first got married. I made the bed for my wife because she usually does, and I even put the pillows in the right place. Then to go back and look for something she'd forgotten that wasn't in the room either, and I did it with a smile. What have you done for your marriage today? Try something new to make yours great. For ideas, go to foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Church. 60 Seconds with Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. Now, in order to understand the knowledge of God, you must make a distinction between foreknowledge and predetermination. The two are not identical. God, indeed, does foreknow everything, but he does not predetermine us independently of our will and our merits. Just suppose that you knew the stock market very well, and because of your superior knowledge of business conditions, you said that such and such a stock within six months would be selling 10 points higher than it is now. Suppose six months later it actually sold 10 points higher. Would you have predetermined and caused it to be 10 points higher? Although you foreknew it. There were other influences, were there not, besides your superior knowledge. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Well, welcome back, my brothers. This is Bill Marr. I'm here with my co-host, George Rose. We are brothers in arms on this sunny, well, soon to be sunny, June 5th, even though today's June 4th, which is kind of cloudy. So I had to clean that up. And, uh, <laughs> and, so June 5th will be sunny. Good recovery, but, Bill. <laughs> but June 4th is a little cloudy, mucky, a little rainy here and there as we uh, track it and, uh, our, our way homes and get ready for the weekend. But uh Anyway, we Bill, just, you're not restricted by time and space, are you? <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm trying to live in the, in the present. You know? <laughs> I can't control the past, and I, I don't know what the future is going to be. So I'm trying to live in the present. But that said, we, had a, we talked a, about that very pious, humble St. Aloysius uh, as our saint for the month. His feast is, what, the 21st of June? June 21st, right? yeah. So uh, St. Aloysius, pray for us. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about the news. Do uh, you have anything... Uh, in the, in the news you wanted to bring up to kick us off with? Yeah, I got something, Billy. Uh, and this was in uh, in the, the register um, about uh, a new Gregorian Chants app. Okay. Live Gregorian Chants available in an app. So 
there's a YouTube channel called OP Chant, which has been very successful um, and is a Gregorian chant channel. And now the chant is becoming the subject of the largest recording project ever undertaken. So <clears throat> Nooms.com, N-E-U-M-Z.com, Nooms.com was first launched as a web platform and then as a smartphone app. And it's offering in streaming the complete Gregorian repertoire. What's, well, what's the app? Like if I were, I'm on the app store right now. And I, I would just type in Nooms, N-E-U-M-Z. And uh, I did it. Ah, uh, here Does it is. Pop up? Here All it right. is. Here Good. it is. So Nooms, it covers Gregorian it covers the entire three year liturgy of the Novus Ordo, and it, it's a, an unbelievable project. Um, it's running from 2019 to 2022, and the Benedictine nuns of the Abbey of Notre Dame. De, de Jug, I guess is how you, my French isn't so good anymore, even though I took a year of it in college. So it's in the French region of Provence. Uh, but they opened their doors to an American record label called Odredeck Records, whose team suspended eight low-profile mo- microphones around the Abbey's church to collect their daily chants during Mass and the Liturgy of the Hours. Okay. So you have nuns, in cloistered nuns in a monastery, being recorded for three straight years uh, in stereo, and then that is available to you on a streaming app. Uh, all the the chances I just downloaded do. it. I I now have the Nooms app, folks, and uh, I guess the way to use it there's a drop down menu you hit, and you got well, I guess you got a lot of options here. Uh, let me see. Let me, okay, all right. And, and Billy, I got to figure it out, but I got it. It's free. There's seven thousand plus hours total. Um, and they're uploaded on the app's database on an ongoing basis. Uh, and they also have the the the, uh, the the sheet music, the square note scores, the original Latin text, and, and that kind of stuff. And, and there's translations and the user's language. And and it's free. But then there's you know there's premium features too. Here it is right here. Look at you got the you got the. There you go. And I can hit play. And right now I'm going to totally do something I probably should never do in radio. I am. Playing the app Check right you now. out. Look at this technology, folks. And I can read the music. I got it right here. It's actually moving with the with the chant. Oh, that's cool. Wow. Yeah. How cool is that? So you guys got to download. If I can do it, my gosh, you guys can. So, yeah, and there's some premium features such as downloading and researching pieces. Uh, but you have to subscribe for that. I don't know how much it is to subscribe. But uh, two-thirds of the subscription fees are allocated to the 45 nuns Ooh. of Jugs and um, and the function of their monastery in Benin. So it's a really cool project. It's amazing. One of the uh, Odredex founder, John Anderson, his aunt is one of the nuns in the uh, in the convent there. How so cool that's is, how, how it all cool came is about. that? Gregorian chant is so neat. Um, you know, you get a good Gregorian, you could just really, you can really... Yeah, very prayerful, very quickly. Yeah, stream it so, in the car as yeah, you're driving on a thinking. long drive, right? Yeah, 100%. You yeah, know? better than listening to, like, whatever it is, whether you're a, a Fox News or a CNN person, you know? Well, at this point, yeah. The news put on is, the Gregorian chant. <laughs> you know, and, and, I, and I'll tell you this. When you get home, if you are one that um, can partake in a beer, if that's appropriate to say, I have a story for you, George. Oh, a Belgian beer, perhaps? I do indeed. I do indeed. Now, I am a, a fan of the Belgian Abbey beers. There's sort of six famous ones, you know, at different monastery sites. You, everyone's heard of Chimay, right? 
Are those um, the beers that are like 12% alcohol, Billy? Some of them are. Yeah. Um, you know, like I think of my, my favorite beers. It's like three for the price of one. <laughs> <laughs> well, not all. Like, for example, my favorite beer is one of those monastery beers. It's called Rochefort. And it's, I've it's heard of that. one of the top Isn't beers that in the world. Isn't cheese, too? Rochefort cheese? I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> Probably I think, in fact, I, I think they make cheese in that monastery <laughs> yeah. also. But Rochefort uh, beer, uh, they come in different sizes six eight and ten that's not sizes that's alcohol content ah so there's there's to answer your question i think it's like like six eight and eleven percent or six nine and eleven percent alcohol depending on which one you have delicious beers you don't you don't chug these beers you you savor them you have these goblets you drink out of them you smell them you know these this rich malty flavor they're not they're not hoppy you know hops is uh in beer was sort of invented to um preserve it so those IPAs, as an example, Indian Pale Ales, well, they're called Indian Pale Ales because they put a lot of hops in them and right. they can make it from England to India. Mm. So the Belgian beers are not like that. They they're, tend to be a little sweeter. They're really delicious. Um, I love the Rochefort's one of the monasteries. There's Orval, there's West Mall, there's Ockel, Um, And then there's West Vletteren, which may I mentioned. West Vletteren, you can't even buy them their beer unless you're in Belgium. It's right. usually the number one beer in the world. Yeah. And Rochefort's like usually number two or or in there. Uh, but you can get Rochefort in most, most liquor stores. But again, it's like a it's and, like a and, wine almost in and, some ways. And one of the uh, abbeys there is coming back. Restarting yeah. their beer making After activities. Two hundred years the French Revolution, as they were cutting heads off, they cut the uh the tap. That's when they had to stop staring. making beer, really. They stopped wow. making it. It's a it's a it's a monastery in Grimbergen. It's the Norbertine Monastery in Grimbergen. And after 200 years, they're going to start brewing uh, ale again. So this is uh, something that's on my wish list. I want to, I want to get the Norbertine Monastery beer. That's, wow. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely try In fact, just the other night, actually, I have a picture on my phone, George. For everyone on this, uh, listening to this program, Wait. this is going to mean nothing to you. <laughs> but I'm showing... George Rose, a picture of a Rochefort beer I had <laughs> at Monk's Tavern in Philadelphia a few nights ago. Looks like a Guinness almost. Yes. Very dark. Yeah. But it, but it's it's not it's not, you know, very hot or heavy. Yeah. Beautiful, right? For the cameras there. Beautiful stuff. Here's the bottle. Oh, very Good cool. stuff. So very that's cool. a Rover. Where do you six. where do you six. get these Belgian beers, Billy? If somebody wanted to try them, I mean, um, can't you just go? Believe to... it or not, um, a lot of liquor stores do have the, they carry the Belgian. Them? They do. Um, I know Wegmans has it. Um but again, these are not, you know, I'm not a volume beer drinker. Um, that was uh, You're my, a my, my unfortunate days <laughs> when I was younger. But now it's I like to enjoy a beer, too, you know, and, and these are just so perfect for that. They're a little expensive. Like, for example, a Rochefort, you know, that's like probably $6 a bottle. You yeah, know? two or three for the price but, but of one, though, right? That's sort of, <laughs> <laughs> depending on what number. That's what you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> but bottom line is it's, it's nice. It's sort of a, a feel-good story. The, the, the uh, motto for the monastery is... Burned but not destroyed, you know, and they're going to have like, I think maybe a phoenix rising up as part of their leg. Of course, oh, there'll be cool. crosses and all that stuff there. Wow. But kind of a feel good story, you know, and uh, that's great. You know, we're entering the summer barbecue season, right? And nothing wrong with popping a little beer, right? What do you think, Mr. Producer, smiling back there? <laughs> yeah, you can grill up your plant based burgers and uh, drink your Belgian beer at the same time. Beyond burgers and Belgian beer. Yes, lots yes. of bees. We have, we have, and, 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 and just as a, as a second story, uh, in brief story, we have. Uh, June is an important month for us. It's the month of the uh, Sacred Heart devotion. 
Oh, explain so, explain what that is, Billy. Well, the Sacred Heart of Jesus. You know, we, we meditate on this on this great mystery. I mean, you probably have seen the image of the Sacred Heart, Saint Margaret Mary, Saint Margaret Mary. Yeah, exactly. And uh, June happens to be the month of that particular devotion. So, I mean, I recommend if 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 this is something you've never, you know, done before. Um, Pray More Novenas actually has these novenas for these special dates. They're running one right now, <laughs> running it like a special, right? But <laughs> but they, they announce to you when certain novenas are coming up, which is kind of cool. And right now I'm on day three of, I think it's mm. day three, of the Sacred Heart Novena myself. But so anyone can start a novena any time they want. Yeah, yeah. But very powerful, you know, very powerful novena. And, and certainly, uh, you know, as June being the month of the Sacred Heart Novena, certainly a lot of spiritual efficacy can be... Mm can come from that as well. You know, God, God recognizes Peter, right? What you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Mm. So when the church makes a declaration, it has weight, you know, mm-hmm. he- heaven responds. Mm. So, uh, you know, I, I challenge everyone, uh, if you're interested, um, pray that novena this month. There's so many causes we have that we need help with in this world. Um, and if you're not familiar with it, you know, do some research on the sacred. Heart. Yeah. Pray, no, pray more novenas is a great, uh, app or, or website, right? It's a married couple, I believe. Yeah, John and Anne Marie. I can't remember yeah. their last name, but <laughs> you're right. You get, I get their uh, emails all the time yep. in my uh, inbox, um, and most of the time, I, I don't follow through on them. But well, you know, uh, I, I will say it's sort of like our little reflections that we forward out. When you get it in your email, it's a great trigger. Yeah, I find that you know sometimes you know I'll, I'll just follow along and pray novena for whatever cause you know. Um, yeah, just because it's there, it's like what a what a great service. Yeah, you know? sure is. And this is this is technology gone right, just like the app. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you know. There's so many cool things that you can do. Uh, so 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 Sacred Heart in in June, guys. Uh, take take a look. Um, take a relook if you haven't in a while, and uh, let's sort of win this world back. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's, it's technology can be a great thing, Billy. I've been doing the uh, Father Mike Schmidt's Bible in a year. I started late, right? Okay. It started January one. I'm like thirty three or thirty four days into it. It's really good. Wow. I would check it out. Wow. Yeah, it's really good. It's like fifteen twenty minutes a day, and um, Jez Ford turned me on to it. Our good friend Jez. Yes, yes. And uh, it's it's he's sort real- of our fill. He's become like the fill in host, hasn't he? Yes, you know, but he, he, and he sounds so good. The British accent. He's your alter ego. The British. <laughs> I'm not doing his accent well. He's Manchester accent, but he's got to British accent. Yeah, <laughs> but if you, if you, you can, it's something you could start at any time, right? And and uh, I mean, it, it's on Stitcher. Uh, it was actually, you know, it was the number one downloaded app in Apple for the first few months of this year. Was it number really? one worldwide? Wow! Most downloaded app. Wow. How, yeah, how, incredible. And I think incredible. as time's gone on, it's, you know, petered off a bit, but it's been downloaded, you know, millions and uh, millions of times, I believe, at this point. And a lot of people, it shows you the the, the, the hunger out there and, and the thirst, and people are uh, are finding it. Um, Speaking of thirst, <laughs> looking at my Trappist monastery. There you go. That picture I took the other day. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I digress. <laughs> But it's a really good one. There's lots of different the pulls of the flesh. <laughs> there's lots of different uh, apps you can do to download that. Um, so I highly recommend. It. I think I talked about it a month or two ago, but keep talking about it because it's really good. That's awesome. So, you know, I was going to get into. Uh, a, 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 I don't think we really have time. We're, we we really want to uh, have a good interview with our our guest who definitely deserves our time. But I'm going to recommend you go to. Um, I guess the, uh, where did I get this from? I got this from Catholic News Agency. No, actually, I got this from the National Catholic Register Online. It's the Miracle of Vistola, 
when Our Lady saved the world from communism, and, and in a really brief synopsis, it's where, where the 100,000 Soviet troops in 1920 in May punched into Poland to take it over, and the world was like, oh my gosh, they're going to do it. There's nothing we had to do. The Pope called the world to prayer, and by the 15th, there was, you know, which is the Feast of the Assumption, the, the, the progression into Poland pretty much stopped. And there was all sorts of like sort of like subtle miracles and so forth attributed to Our Lady of Chesnohova. And uh, basically, uh, communism was completely pushed back and routed. Great article. It's called The Miracle of Vistula When Our Lady Saved the World from Communism. Stop the Bolsheviks. I recommend the read, mm. you know, because we have to stop a lot of stuff. And, yeah. And this is, con- you know, let's let, get let's some super, supernatural help, right? Let's Billy? model it on prayer, right? So yeah. the Pope called the world, world for prayer. Once that happened, things changed. Mm. It reminds me of Lepanto a little bit, mm. you know, where the col- the Pope called the world for prayer. In this case, it was the rosary. Mm. But anyway, guys, we're gonna we're gonna go to a two minute break and come back with um, with uh, our interviewee. It started like it does for many people. Question my faith and question authority. And I feel that the reason why I left was the the draw of the world. The world was pulling me away. Some people would say, you know, Satan would, you know, Satan was working on me. He did not want me in church. He wanted me to be desperate. He wanted me to have the thoughts of suicide. I started to realize that a lot of the things that I experienced in my life were a result of my rebellion against God and against authority. Coming back to the church is the first step in healing from all of the hurts of the world. I went from being desperate and in despair to finding hope and encouragement for for the future. I'm on God's team. I, I know who I belong to and I know where I'm going and there's nothing that can separate me from God's love. Take another look at the Catholic Church. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Father Benedict Groeschel. There are all legitimate differences of opinion in any religion. There are differences of opinion in Catholicism. But in Catholicism, you expect that people will take the teaching of its supreme authority seriously. To go diametrically opposed to those teachings is to not be a Catholic. Someone in the name of Catholicism is sponsoring the destruction of human life, lives of unborn children. And they got the name Catholic on the door. The highest authority in Catholicism and the encyclical Romane Vitae, Evangelium Vitae, is absolutely clear that no Catholic can support abortion and that Catholics are responsible to take serious action against legalized abortion. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. Well, welcome back, my brothers. This is Bill Maher, politically incorrect, truly politically incorrect, Bill Maher. <laughs> and I'm here with my co-host, the conservative George Bill Rose. Maher. <laughs> yes, indeed. And we're actually uh, joined uh, on this call with uh, our guest, uh, Spencer Swope. I-, I hope I got that right, Spencer. You sure did. I appreciate you having me on. Oh, what a pleasure it is! Um, uh, again, my name is Bill Maher, and uh, you got a you got a pretty cool story that we can share with the guys. Um, we're going to be excited to kind of, kind of, kind of break that out, flesh that out for everyone. If you're good with it, yes, absolutely. Great, great. Yeah, and hey, Spencer, this is George. Thanks for Hi, uh, George. Thanks for coming on the show today, and just to give yes. give the guys a little background on who you are and and why we're having you on the show or it is. 
We, we were introduced uh, by Trent Beatty, uh, our good friend, good friend of the show who writes for the National Catholic Register. And he did an article on you uh, last fall. And he reached out to me and said, hey, you, you guys should think about interviewing Spencer Swope. And I read the article and I was like, yeah, most definitely. So, again, thanks for being here today. And and right now, you're, well, to your, your background, you know, I think you – We'll talk about that a little bit, but you were a boxer, a football player, a boxer, insurance salesman, uh, very talented guy from from what I, I I've read, and uh, and currently you're the Southern Regional Marketing Manager for EWTN. Is that, that is correct? Right, That's and correct. you have eleven children. Yes. <laughs> eleven? Yes, I do. Sometimes I. Think I overloaded the wagon, but uh, <laughs> one day at a time, with God's grace, we get through. You know, Bill, Billy here, he has eight children, and it's a very rare occurrence that one of our guests has more kids than he does. Yeah, I, I, you know, <laughs> quite true, I'm sure. Spence, I usually call them slackers, but I guess that's me at this point. <laughs> so, um, you, you know, I, I was, why don't we ask about your, uh, I, your your conversion, Spencer? Like, what what happened? Um, it's I think you were you, you worked hard and you you partied hard. I think back in the day. <laughs> yes, I, that's a, I think that's a, a good uh, definition. I'll just give you a little bit of background. Um, sure. I was born uh, baby of five children in northern Ohio. Good uh, Catholic people, uh, but we didn't live our Catholic faith that intentionally. We were pretty much nominal Catholics. We went, went to Mass every Sunday, Holy Day as an obligation. But really, we didn't, you know, we, we weren't the kind of family that prayed the rosary. We really didn't, you know, was said prayer before meals, and that was about it. And uh, dramatic um, occurrence happened in our lives when on Good Friday in 1973, I was 10 years old, uh, my brothers were killed in a car accident. Mm. And that really changed uh, the course of our lives, obviously. And I think it um, sparked in my older brother. Um, some just all of a sudden, you know, he was the oldest, and uh, his behavior got pretty uh, crazy, if you will. Um, he became his, he was no longer a good student or anything, and uh, he was uh, quite the athlete, and uh, probably could have been playing professional football if he had not uh, just not he didn't do anything academically and. Uh, Anyhow, um, but I kind of followed his footsteps in a sense. He was, uh, I looked up to him, and uh, that kind of sent me down the wrong path myself. Um, I did play. I, I was interested in uh, boxing. I, I don't even understand why. At, at seven years old, I watched the fight between, the uh, first fight I ever watched between Smoking Joe Frazier and Jimmy Ellis for the heavyweight <laughs> title. Wow. And, I, I mean, I remember it just like yesterday, February 16, 1970, and uh, I just fell in love with the sport. So I was always interested in boxing. Uh, there weren't too many opportunities to box as an amateur where I was, but I did get some fights in. And uh, but I but I also loved football, and I was quarterback, and I played quarterback from seventh grade up, and uh, was high school quarterback, and even it was pretty good. Uh, but I did party a lot, and was not my top priority. Um, and I was injured a lot, although I did break some passing records at that school. Um, um, but I just colleges didn't take me serious enough to uh, give me a scholarship, and well, I did go to college, but I went to a college uh, with, my, with my girlfriend's dad that kind of suggested he was a doctor, and anyway, I ended up at Wofford College in, in uh, Spartanburg, South Carolina, and they didn't, they didn't have a pro-style offense. That's what I ran. They ran a beer offense back then, so they, they called it an option. The Tennessee offense, right? Yeah, 
and uh, just it wasn't suited for me. So anyhow, but I just partied so hard, and I ended up basically flunking out my freshman year. Went to another school up in Brevard, North Carolina. Did much better. I just had an, kind of an epiphany. What am I going to do with my life? I got my. I just. I hadn't picked up a book probably since eighth grade, uh, but I really had to ter- teach myself how to learn. Um, I didn't know how to study. I had no study habits, but I turned myself around and uh, to, to get um, academically, I was gonna, went from like a point eight to a three point mm-hmm. eight. You know, in just a year. But then I ended up moving back down to Florida and started going back into more party ways. And uh, but at the age of 22, I got into the insurance business, not because I liked it, because I liked the money it was uh, going to present me, and uh, did well. At the age of 24, I was uh, running an insurance agency. I had six agents and a secretary under my supervision, and uh, the success went to my head. Started partying harder and got involved in cocaine. And uh, suffice to say, about three years later, everything went spiraling out of control. And uh, I ended up basically homeless in North Carolina, living with my parents. And God's providence, somebody quit at their restaurant they had, and uh, I decided to kind of help them out. A couple of days later, I mean, somebody quit, or a couple of days later, I helped them out and uh, decided to stick around for a little while. Well, that was kind of God's way of getting me back on my feet. And uh, by going there, I was going to Mass on Sunday, unworthily receiving our Lord and Blessed Sacrament, because I didn't really understand what the Catholic Church taught, but it was still a start. Mm. And uh, then I, that's when I really turned to boxing. I thought, well, you know, I've already, my life, I've screwed up my life. Um, I'm 27 years old at this time. I thought, what the heck, I'm going to just put everything I am into uh, into boxing. So I did, um, and the hard work it took to do the training and everything I always felt was analogous to, in, in retrospect, analogous to what it takes to be a good Catholic as far as we have to put in the work sometimes. We get up and get to Mass, get, you know, do a rosary, uh, you know, Chapel of Mercy, uh, these kind of things um, in order to keep our faith alive and going. And I can't the same thing with, you know, getting up to the boxing, getting to do the road work, you know, the, the exercise, everything that had to be the mental discipline, everything that needed there. But I still wasn't really living my Catholic faith at all um, while well, I was on and off. And, uh, I'd go through bouts of you know drunkenness and that sort of thing, but I had really didn't wasn't on drugs or anything in March because I really didn't have the connections that I did in Florida. So suffice to say, I was up and down. And about five years after being in North Carolina, I just kind of it was I ended up drinking too much on Holy Saturday, where I couldn't even get out of bed on Easter Sunday morning. Mm. I was just too hungover. I can remember trying to get out of bed and just. I, I stood up and just was teetering, and I think I had to use the, I had to go uh, to the bathroom to do you know what, and uh, and the next Sunday, I mean that 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 disgusted me. That was 32 years old at this time, mm. and I just the next following Sunday, not knowing it was Divine Mercy Sunday, I just had like did a reexamination of my life and saw how bad I had screwed it up, and I just simply told Jesus in my heart, Jesus, from this day forward, I live for you. Mm-hmm. And my my life turned around quickly. I mean, and, and really quickly. And thanks be to God, there was a good Catholic couple who started putting Catholic uh, tapes and books in my hands. Scott Hahn, Jeff um, Jeff Cavins, these kind of things, and uh, just made a dramatic end, uh, turn in my life. And uh, then I, I I almost left the Catholic faith for another denomination, but uh, there was 
just a voice in my head that said, don't leave what you don't know. And that's when the Catholic couple uh, appeared and started giving me all these good things that really got me on the faith to live in you know, the Catholic life. So. Wow. That's, uh, and ever since then, he's just blessed me. And then I met my wife at the Northern Virginia, and uh, it's uh, been one blessing after the other. Wow, that's that's, awesome. uh, that's quite a story, Spencer. And um, uh, I, I've been sober myself for since 1995. <laughs> so oh, you and I have something right, in right. common. I, mean, I think we're a couple years apart, maybe in age. I'm 55. I think you're, what, 57? 58 now. Yeah. 58. Okay. So, yeah, we, but we have... Uh, some so I've a lot of similarities in Definitely. our in our stories. Definitely, ninety five was a good year for us, huh? Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and and similar, you know, I, you know what really got to me was like in my twenties. Uh, I realized there there were times I would come back home for for Christmas and uh, go out with all the old friends on on Christmas Eve. You know, after uh, you, you know did you know, dinner with the family, hung out and all that stuff. And I, and I would, I remember this one year I uh, couldn't get up for, for mass on Christmas morning. I'm like, even the bad Catholics go to mass on Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't even do that, you know? And I was like, wow, something's really wrong. You know, I kept yeah. drinking for a few more years after that, but it was definitely uh, something that caught my that attention. That was certainly so. a wake up call, inflection moment, huh? Yeah, well, it was, you know, one of many seeds that were being planted for, for me, right. you know. Um, but God was looking after uh, both of us and, and guiding us and directing us. So it's it's great. And now, you know, you have um, really your, your life, such a dramatic change from boxing and, and kind of sounds like, you know, in the business world, you know, doing be, being about more about you than anything else, right, as an insurance no, that's, salesman. That's getting exactly right. Yeah, and I can just remember when I played football, I just, I'm the quarterback, but I just, uh, we, were, we weren't very good my senior year of the team, and uh, <laughs> and I was just in it for personal glory, to be honest. I mean, I just was, you know, I wanted my numbers, and I would, you know, I'd, put, I'd throw the ball close to, you know, 45 times a game on, on average, and uh, but I was just looking out for myself because, we, you know, our defense couldn't stop anybody, so I had to put some points on the board, but uh, yeah. And just and it was it was just for personal glorification. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, after this, you know, I think you you had your your conversion on uh, what was not yet Divine Mercy Sunday, mm. right? The 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 exactly. Sunday after Easter. Um, so, um, Sister Faustina was already looking out for you, but <laughs> after that, you went to work at you know for Seton Home Study, which is the homeschooling organization. You also worked for the Knights of Columbus and then eventually made your way to uh, EWTN, of which, you know, Domestic Church Media, our radio station here, is a local affiliate affiliate for uh, EWTN Radio. Um, So how's that, you know, and and I'm actually, I'm really interested in it because those jobs that you have don't sound like, um, I mean, they're, they're not volunteer jobs, but I'm sure they're, you know, not, maybe not as high paying as you were doing in the insurance industry, but in the, uh, I can remember going to work for Seton. I had to I cut my salary in half just to go to work up there for them. I was just so enamored with the Catholic faith. And I, I went up there, um, to be, I was actually engaged to a, a another young lady who's not my wife now that was, uh, going to Christian college. That's what brought us up there. Oh, um, I, Bill Carroll, I, I right? grew up there mm. and, um, and just fell in love with what was up there and everything, and I thought, you know, I want to be part of this. I want to be part of that community. And so that's how I, I got out of the insurance, because I went back to the insurance business after my conversion, after I um, get out of the, I was left the 
restaurant with my parents where I was managing that, but left that. And uh, just went up there and fell in love with it. So I just wanted to go up there. I'd take any job. So I just was working like half a day uh, doing maintenance, another half, uh, I think, shipping. But they put me in the admissions department only after about a month there. So it was a nice position. I really got to talk to homeschooling moms wanting to discern whether or not they to bring their children home and everything. And I really enjoyed working there. And it was a, I learned a lot uh, from working there about homeschooling and everything. And I knew that was kind of the direction we, I wanted to go if I ever got married. But the young lady that I went up there with, we both started discerning maybe we were called to the religious life. Mm. We broke off our engagement mm. uh, very amicably. It was, you know, a peaceful thing. Uh, and then discerned that I wasn't. We're both married now. Uh, and then I had met my, <laughs> my wife-to-be. That's a great story. You know, the Seton Home School is, uh, you were ahead of your time. Um, it seems like everyone is hunting for good homeschool curriculums now. Um, and I, my kids were homeschooled, and we actually we did use Seton uh, for a good portion of that. Uh, but it's, it's amazing now. You know, that was missionary work back then when you were involved with them. Yeah, mm. without a doubt. Without a doubt, definitely a missionary and... Uh ahead of our time, like you said, uh, but uh, I think we kind of understood what might be coming, and uh, and I pray that this crazy world we're living in, that we can continue to educate our children from home. Mm. So what and, what brought you to uh, EWTN? Well, I, I, after after Seton, I went to work for the Knights of Columbus, um, and pretty much I thought I would have an opportunity to make a little bit more money there and everything, but it just didn't work. It wasn't working out. We didn't have the product at the time. So Knights of Columbus awesome. I mean, they have wonderful insurance products and everything, um, especially now, but at the time, they didn't have a certain product, a term policy that was uh, really competitive in the market, and that really made it difficult, and I uh, just, just wasn't a great fit for me, and uh, I could, it's another providential story, but providentially, I ended up with EWTN, and I came to work here in October of 2000, so I've been there for over 20 years now. Been wow, there. wow. And at the time, we had one one child and one on the way, and uh, and now we have 11 children, two actually in heaven with two miscarriages as well. So, yeah. so wow. it's, it's two, been a, it's been a wild, heaven. wonderful ride for sure. Two kids in heaven. So so these 20 years at EWTN, you've been blessed with 11 children. Um, uh, I'm assuming it sounds like you, you didn't start – having your first one until you were in your later 30s, I guess, right? That's correct. I was 36 when we had our first year. When you had number one. Wow, that's I'm, amazing. And I have a two-year-old now, so um, and it's probably been the most difficult thing I've ever had to deal with in my life. Uh, just uh, I, I think after having two miscarriages, uh, which was the, would have been 11 and 12 um, children, um, I think I just mentally I thought we were done and everything, so at 55 I was surprised and uh, it's been difficult, but I uh, wouldn't change a thing. He's the, and he's actually named after me, Spencer Swope. Wow, that's I'm, neat. I'm assuming your wife is a little bit younger than you. She's not. Just she didn't have bit. a two year old at 55, <laughs> right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Wow, uh, they they definitely. Uh, it's funny. What was your thought in your mind when you when you thought about having kids? Was there a was there a dream number? Because I can guarantee it wasn't 11. Um, <laughs> I certainly wasn't for us. We talked about, well, two kids, we'd have two kids. And somehow that, you know, turned into eight and, uh, would not have it any other way. Um, yes. what, what's, what's your story with that? Yeah, Bill, I, um, well, my wife and I are both baby of five, you know, so the youngest of five children. 
we wanted a large family. We were in a community of lot. We saw a lot, many families with ten children. But you're right. We weren't like thinking ten. I don't. We were just wanted to be open to life, and we were excited about that. And boy, just we just. I don't know. I knew that uh, my wife's family tended to be fertile by the number of children her sisters had, her older sisters, and uh, so I knew it was possible. But uh, I don't. We just fell in love with just life, and uh, although those early years were certainly difficult, more so for my wife than myself. Um, but we, uh, you know, I, yeah, we didn't we didn't plan on eleven, but uh, I think we were thinking, you know, seven or eight, maybe something like that. Well, just one more, Spencer, and you'll match uh, Jacob from the Old Testament, the 12 tribes of Israel, right? The 12 sons. God's will shall be done. <laughs> yeah, hey, you know, uh, Abraham was way older, uh, Abraham and Sarah, when they had uh, Isaac, right? <laughs> this, this is definitely true. I will tell you, you have a very active household, and that's one of the things I love. We do, life. we do. We're in a changing. I mean, our, my two oldest daughters are going to Christendom College also up in uh, Northern Virginia, and uh, my oldest son is uh, in, in the Marines. He's out at Camp Pendleton, Southern California, right now. So uh, you know, some there, there's some have left the, the nest, and uh, so we have eight here permanently. But the girls are back home for college now. So that's a great it's college. Crazy. Uh... One day at a time. A lot of. Uh, uh, organizing, trying to figure out who's going to take this car for this event, and you know, and, and everything. But uh, it's it's but it's crazy, but wonderful. Yeah, Christendom. That's a that's a great call. That's William Carroll, right? So yes, that's exactly right. He has a, a great uh, series and history on the church uh, that yes. I recommend everyone look into. Amen. Uh, I do too. Hey Spencer, we we only have about a minute left. Maybe you could tell us real quick. Uh, what you actually do for EWTN, so the guys sure. can know. I'm sure you, you market uh, the station, right? And and what, right. What, what, yeah, what, what does that mean? How do you do it? Yeah, well, let me just have the the job has evolved. I started in this position uh, 2004. I originally was just doing like what marketing support, which actually supported the position I'm doing now. But it used to be just trying to get EWTN onto the channel lineups mm. of the cable system. Mm-hmm. Well, now I'm pretty. We're pretty much saturated there in the those places in the cable market and on satellite TV. But now our motto is EWTN is everywhere. So we're on these, all these other platforms um, as well. Um, so now it's kind of shifted more. We still you know, work with the cable companies, but we're going to Catholic conferences in the region, visiting dioceses, trying to improve the relationships with those folks, showing the different uh, resources we have, work with our radio affiliates like you're a part of there, and thank you for being a, a radio affiliate of ours. Um, trying to build up our volunteer program to bring greater awareness of EWTN. It's amazing how many people, how many Catholics still are not even aware of us. We're mm. 40th year. Um, the pandemic helped with that. Um, for us, actually, the pandemic was somewhat of a blessing, a hidden blessing, because so many Catholics that did not know about us prior um, uh, tuned in and uh, became loyal viewers and uh, supporters. Hey, that's uh, Spencer. That's that's great to hear all that. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Out of time. We really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks, Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. God bless your work. Well, God bless you, and God bless you, brother. As you drive safe out there, have an amazing weekend, and we will reconvene in a month. Go Yankees.